And we're back. I'm Gervier Bro. I'm here with Chamat Karsandu, and we are Screen Off Script. This week, we're getting into 65 and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week. So I don't know what the next story is going to be. I'm imagining it'll be more epilogue <laughs> Like, this is the big one, and then whatever I end up doing for that last one, like I said, a bit more of an epilogue, just as you're wrapping up the career. All right, in our first segment, we're going to be talking about all the news, but uh, we're also going to be giving a review for 65, a uh, little bit of a review for Shazam. If you want to skip around, we got timestamps in the description. Jump so first thing, I think the biggest news story we didn't get to talk about last week, and I think... For me, like maybe the most significant news story of the year mm-hmm. is Quinn Tarantino finally announced, like not really announcing, but leaking almost. His final film is going to be titled The Movie Critic. And uh, the information that we have so far about it is that it's going to be a story that's set to take place in the late 1970s in LA with a female lead. What was your initial impression when you heard all that? Well, number one, just happy that something has come out. There is some news. We've got a title and he's actively working on it. We've got some sort of idea of like, like you said, when it's set, it's going to have a female lead. The fact that it's called a film critic, it's almost perfect in many ways. Like, I don't know what the plot is going to be per se, but we all know that Quentin Tarantino is like the ultimate movie fan, the ultimate movie buff, right? And he worked in a video rental store. So... If it's if this is going to be and we can only speculate at this stage, but if this is going to be anything along the lines of talking about popular culture, talking about movies, talking about you know films and cinema from that era, mm-hmm. that could be really really fun. It could be really fun, and not only that, but it makes me think about uh, the fact that we have this information now. It makes me think of when Inglorious Bastard was starting to film, and I remember hearing about initially once he finished the script, he went to his producers and said, "I got it," and then within like seven months. They already talked to like Brad Pitt. They talked to everybody and they were shooting in like a seven month span, mm. which is crazy. So uh, the fact that we're getting this information now and we already know that it's going to be shooting in the fall just shows that the wheels are in motion. And especially considering just knowing that when he is jazzed up and he's got his juices flowing and, and this is going to be uh, something really epic. I'm really excited about it. Uh, a little bit bittersweet as well. Yeah. You know, because yeah. at the end of the day, this is his final movie. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully he goes out with a bang, goes out, you know, gets his flowers. Um, but also as like, you know, QT fans, yeah. it's like, oh, we're coming up, approaching the end of the, of the journey of him being a filmmaker. Not only that, but it feels like he's had like this daunting experience of like, all right, cool. This is my last movie. Mm. And you can tell whenever he's in like these conversations, he, he probably feels like a little bit of a pressure from that. The idea of like wrapping up this incredible filmography. And then on top of that, I've always watched interviews of his and he's he's always talked about this one critic that he had like a lot of reference for. Right. Yeah. And it's this woman named Pauline Keel. And uh, apparently, like, I'm obviously not familiar with her work. This is long before my time, but she's one of the most influential critics of all time. She died back in 2001. But uh, I'd watch these interviews and he'd randomly just start talking about her and just talk about how much of a reverence he had for her opinion and what he thought about it. And if you watch any situation where he's sitting down with film critics i even uh put up a post on our social media feed but like you can just tell it's not like he gets offended by people not liking his work or anything Mm. like that he just wants to have that conversation because he's such a film fan he like understands that your perspective is different from his and this is what he's trying to get across and maybe it doesn't work all the time but you can see that he has that relationship with them and that's the kind of people that it feels like he's always trying to impress anyways yeah yeah yeah. right like he's not trying to go after like big blockbusters he could have made like a marvel movie i'm sure like 20 years ago, whatever, right? But he he goes after 
trying to like satisfy film fans because he's that himself yeah and he's blessed himself with the career that he's had that he could pick and choose his his projects when he wants to make a movie like there's always going to be the money that he needs there's always going to be a studio backing him there's always going to be producers lining up to work with him mm. there's always going to be actors lining up to work with him because yeah. it's Quentin Tarantino and not he, only that but now it's the time that I actually hope that once he does release this movie he has the freedom now to work on other stuff I'd love a limited series or yeah. any like, TV show with Quentin Tarantino directing all the episodes or something like that yeah and he's talked about that yeah. like I feel like um, a post like filmmaker career in the world of television is fantastic I just wrapped up Rian Johnson's Poker Face. Mm-hmm. It's freaking phenomenal. Yeah. It's so, so good. And so talked about the play version of Reservoir Dogs. Like, there's just so mm, many things that he can do. Yeah. Like, literally, the world is his oyster. Yeah. It always has been. Mm-hmm. It's been like that for like 20 years now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, before we get to that, the movie, yeah. uh, the, the film critic, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. I'm very excited to see. This is like a nice little fun road for us to follow now for the next however many years as it's yeah. going to take. But uh, the next thing I want to talk about as far as Marvel news goes, uh, apparently a Mephisto special for Disney Plus starring Sasha Baron Cohen is rumored to be uh, currently filming. There's also rumors of like a bunch of other ones like Sentry, uh, Silver Surfer. There's just a bunch that are kind of rumored right now. And you hear a lot of like these Disney Plus specials are going to be pretty prevalent going forward. Uh, What are your thoughts on those? The one that I found most interesting when I saw this was uh, Sasha Baron Cohen as Mephisto because mm-hmm. he was actually long rumored like as a as a bit of fan casting to yeah. kind of get the gig and get the role. I actually think it's perfect. Yeah, I actually think he would do an incredible job. Now, as a series versus him appearing in a movie, interesting choice. The thing with series is you can flesh out characters yeah. and you can flesh out perhaps um, some of the the characters both the heroes and the villains that aren't so well known mm-hmm. a little bit better but then ultimately it comes down to you know the audience and the fans whether they have the appetite to kind of watch a lot of this content that's been something that you've struggled with yeah. since disney plus right well, i think what they're doing with these ones is I, I have to imagine that what they're doing with these ones is based on the success of the werewolf one right the one part specials is that what this is in t- in, I mean, intended to be? We don't know yet, but I've heard. I would prefer that. By I'd the way, prefer that. Give me the that. give me the ninety minute or forty you know, hour forty five mini movie, or even just like an hour special, yeah. just to introduce a character, introduce a world. I w- I love that. I do love that, and I think the idea that they're going to be introducing this character in Ironheart and then dropping a special like this, like I think that's number one, a lot of fun. Mm. But number two, then it introduces this character that we can kind of follow into the films. Yeah, and I think that'll be just a blast. Also, speaking of Disney Plus, apparently a nine, and this is crazy that they're even talking about this before, but a nine hour cut of Avatar 3 is rumored to be turning into a limited series for Disney Plus that could release alongside the theatrical cut in 2024. (laughs) Why don't we know that already? That's crazy. Oh my God. Uh, James Cameron, man. Unbelievable. Nine hours. That's longer than like the first two movies combined in terms of length. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy because like as much as Avatar is like so successful, the best thing about it has been like you watch this one experience, you're blown away and then you're like gone from it for a while. Oh, I almost wish like if if they got like a a nine hour cut at this stage, why don't you just chop that up into two movies? Give me like Avatar three part one, Avatar three part two. If it's that (laughs) kind of like incredible in dense in terms of the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. It is weird that they would have that much of a movie or that long of a movie Mm. and not be able to like, all right, cool. Maybe this fits better for like, you know, this period of time and we could just Mm. push the other stories back a little bit. Yeah. And also a 
it kind of boggles my mind that they would do that when Avatar and Avatar 2 more recently has made so much money and Cameron has literally spoken about the experience of watching his movies in the Mm theatre in the cinema you just do not get that same experience at home on TV and not only that but it just goes to show that uh there, like obviously he, he has such a vision for what this Avatar series is going to be because he so specifically knows this is three and this is four right right and I'm not going to muddle that I'll give you a Disney Plus series that's fine but uh, I wonder, I feel like he's also the kind of person who takes advantage of technology and he hasn't taken advantage of streaming yet mm. right not in this way and it'll be interesting to see how he actually approaches all of this yeah this is this is a big big one to monitor because yeah. Avatar 3 is supposed to come out what next Christmas or 2024 2024 yeah, yeah. next Christmas yeah, yeah crazy yeah not too long um next james gunn confirmed that he's gonna be directing superman legacy he says uh i saw a way in in many ways centering around superman's heritage how both his aristocratic uh, kryptonian parents and his kansas farmer parents inform who he is and the choices he makes seems like they're gonna be doing not like i mean maybe an origin story but it seems more so uh the idea of what makes superman like an individual mm. and i love that that sounds great yeah we've had elements of this in previous movies but not like completely centered around that side of like his you know his background where he comes from and things of that nature mm-hmm. I'm just glad he's directing it that yeah. for me is the biggest news because I felt like it had to be a statement like yeah. I've said this from day one is like alright James Gunn is going to be the Kevin Feige of the DCU the biggest piece of that whole universe is Superman it's the most iconic character the biggest character that they have alongside Batman but him directing it means like all right cool i'm gonna put my my staff in the ground like gandalf yeah you shall not pass yeah yeah, yeah, right and i'm gonna i'm gonna kick this you know from the get-go i'm gonna get this whole ball rolling if he can nail it if he can really deliver an incredible experience with this first superman movie i think that will go a long way on everyone else saying all right cool dcu just made a massive left turn and we're on for the right i think that's the biggest thing you have to nail the superman movie and i do love the idea of really focusing in and zoning on on what makes Superman special because a lot of the times it is like this and we've talked about this before but like it's like this idea of like Superman is this blanket character of like perfect superhero mm-hmm. and when when you actually get to like dive into he has this like Kryptonian past and he likes what how that affected his uh, upbringing and then seeing the juxtaposition of like growing up in Kansas having those parents kind of give him different ideals that are based on earth and making him like a good person blah 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 seeing those kind of fight each other and make him into who he is like that's a cool way to begin the entire DC universe Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. next just speaking of DC as well Ben Affleck says that he has no interest in directing for James Gunn in the DCU he says I have nothing against James nice guy sure he's gonna do a great job I just wouldn't want to go in and direct in the way that they're doing it I'm not interested in that Mm mm-hmm it's interesting because that's the first negative noise we've been hearing. Like, because everything's been really positive about this DC stuff lately. Yeah, and this is the first like kind of like look into somebody being like, uh, "I've seen it. I'm not into that." Yeah, and and if anyone's gonna have some sort of idea of the direction that James Gunn and the DCU is going, it would be Ben Affleck because they did speak to him about potentially directing. So they would have shared, "Hey, this is what we're thinking. This is what maybe you can kind of like you know attach yourself to as a director." Yeah. The fact that he said thanks but no thanks yeah. is very very telling yeah, yeah. but also it could just be a very uh, much a loyalty factor to Zack Snyder who did bring in Ben Affleck um, as Batman uh, in the DCEU yeah that's what I think of it as well because like mm. the idea is that he has a lot of what he thinks about this Batman character based on how he had these conversations with Zack Snyder right and I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of a hangover effect you know, regardless if he were to continue 
right? And uh, you can also see like the choices he made as Batman were so specific to that universe. I can't. Right. It's gonna be so hard for him to kind of just step away from that and have a fresh new perspective on on Batman. Yeah, I'd and, rather have somebody new to be honest. And listen, not not to knock ben, ben Affleck, I think he's a very capable filmmaker, but I don't, I'm not putting him a top 10 greatest filmmakers of all time either yeah, yeah, like, yeah. let's be honest here like it's not as if he's like you know uh it's tarantino or cameron or someone that's just passed on this incredible opportunity it's, it's ben affleck you know what though he is very talented as a he's, director he's, listen I'm, I, I'm not saying that he's yeah. not i'm i swear to god i'm not saying that he's not talented i'm just like all right cool ben affleck's not going to be making a movie the dcu cool yeah. like i'm not crying i'm not yeah, gonna yeah. lose any sleep over it I, you know I'm what i mean lose, exactly i'm not gonna lose sleep over that but at the same time a part of me does think like if we didn't have any of this baggage and if the guy that made the town was able to make a batman movie i feel like that guy could do something special mm. but i guess that's just not in our universe you know well, that's a different multiverse we are about to get a michael jordan sneaker movie from yeah, ben yeah, affleck yeah. very very soon so yeah. we're going to find out you know if he's been able to like evolve as a filmmaker yeah, very, yeah. Very soon. I'm, I'm actually excited about that me movie too as well. me yeah. too and it's coming out in like a few weeks next also just speaking of uh this hangover effect of uh, all this justice league zack snyder stuff Ben Affleck did say that during those Justice League reshoots, that was the worst experience I've ever seen in this business, which is full of shitty experiences. I just thought, this isn't the life I want. My kids aren't here. I'm miserable. Mm. Uh, I feel for him. I feel for him. I feel like a, that, that seems like a terrible existence, and it sucks that everybody that's involved with the Zack Snyder version of DC, and they obviously like were so deeply into these characters, and especially like the rest of the world, like MCU and coming off like the Nolan Batmans, there was probably so much excitement going into whatever this was going to be. And for, for them to like have these high expectations and then just completely crash and be like shitted on over and over, that must have been really difficult experience for everyone involved. Yeah, and then people are like, hey, we're going to do uh, some reshoots yeah. to try and salvage uh, some public opinion and uh, maybe get some fans back. Yeah. And it didn't exactly. work out. Yeah, it didn't work out at all. And I'm glad that, you know, I, I feel like everything kind of worked out for the best. Like, mm. now we're in a better place. We've reset. Let's move forward from here. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to quickly talk about as well is just kind of along the same lines of what we were talking about last week with the Oscars and everything everywhere all at once, winning basically every major category. Kihu Kwan obviously delivered this fantastic speech afterwards, but he also had this interview the next day where he was talking about how he just won an Oscar and how he was still very fearful of what was going to happen going forward. I just kind of want to talk about that because when he talks about the, the fear of like thinking this is just going to be a one-time thing and that having discussions with people like Kate Blanchett, being like, how do you pick your roles? And she tells him, or just be irresponsible with your decisions and just go based on your heart. Mm. It's so interesting to see... Like hearing that perspective from like Kate Blanchett, who's so established and has like such a career, and giving that like that advice to Kiyu Kwan, which seems like obviously genuine advice, but at the same time, imagine the anxiety that this dude's feeling, thinking like, oh, this is this is it. Two very different career arcs as well. Yeah. It's one thing for Kate Blanchett to say that to him, but if you look at the roles that you know she's been presented with and that she's taken and the movies that she's been in, and she's like one of the most acclaimed actors of her of her generation. And the options, like obviously now we're getting a little bit more presence of people who look like Kiku Kwan in movies, but Kate Blanchett's got like a very different amount of movies yeah. that she can choose from. One hundred percent. I feel like with Kiku Kwan, it's like he's been here so many times. He's been the kid actor yeah. in Indiana Jones and the Goonies, right? He's been a teenager and a young adult in Encino Man and it popped up here and there in the 90s. Mm. And then here he is as a much older man getting a second lease on life. He's won an Oscar. He's in, you know, involved in one of the best movies of all time. 
Like yeah. I remember, I remember when we reviewed it. Go back and listen to our review if you haven't already. But I said, if you've got a top ten, make some room for everything everywhere all at once because it has to take a spot in that top ten. Yeah. Now, what happens next? What options does he have? What roles does he get offered? Uh, I just hope he's able to be happy because the thing is what he's been able to achieve with the Oscar win is so hard for anyone in any background for any walk of life it's like it's so incredibly hard to just get one of those yeah. right he's got one in the bag no matter what happens no one can ever take that away from him I just feel like I just hope anyway that moving forward he any anxiety um, or any kind of post-traumatic um issues that he had you know from the business over the last 20 30 years he can kind of like put that to the side and, and throw that away into the into the trash can and just have fun yeah and, and hopefully work with people enjoy the ride enjoy the experience both him and brendan fraser yeah yeah i completely agree it's kind of weird right because you do have this anxiety of going like having this success yeah and then wondering what's next but at the same time you would hope that he can enjoy the ride and like pick the right roles that he actually loves and He's like the advice of Kate Blanchett, but like, how do you not feel messed up after yeah. that? Like, it's such a difficult experience. I'm I'm so curious to follow this guy now because he's like he's basically let us in in this very like emotional way. Yeah, so I'm all in on this like next like little chapter of Key Kwan, and I know he has another film. I forget what it's called, but coming out with Michelle Yeoh, I think in May. I'm excited to see what he does next, and let's let's see where this kind of takes us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I swear he had a role in Loki as well. So. Uh, I feel like he has a few things that are lined up, but let's see what's next next and what these choices actually lead to. I do feel, though, just given his like resurgence into the mainstream with the movie with the Oscar in, I do feel like he's going to have a lot of offers on the table now yeah, moving forward. Right now, for sure. Yeah. He's such a sentimental favorite. Like, in demand, man. If you're any sort of uh, like major franchise, I'm sure you want a guy like this attached because he just, like, he's a guy people are going to want to follow going yeah. forward. But yeah, that's everything for the news this week. John, before we get into 65, I know you watched Shazam. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about that for a little bit? I absolutely do, yeah. So I watched Shazam, Fury of the Gods, the, the, the second Shazam movie. And we were kind of like debating what should we review this week? Or, you know, what do we feel like? And we both said, oh, we'll, we'll do 65 because that was also out the same weekend as Scream. And uh, it's Adam Driver. Yeah. Interesting. It, look, it looks a little bit different, which we're going to get into. And I uh, Just full disclosure, I haven't seen the first... Uh, Shazam movie, right? And to be honest, like I just didn't want to. Like sure. that's just where I am in the DC space. Like yeah. I was, I was all out of the Zack Snyder kind of universe and everything that was a hangover after that. Yeah, but I was like deciding, like, do I want to follow the Shazam story that's going? And I basically decided I did not. Mm-hmm. I watched the first one at the cinema, and I was even debating: is it again? This is the problem, right? Yeah. The Flash movie is the one I feel like everyone's like you know one hundred percent locked in. Yes, we're gonna watch. Yeah, this. Shazam movie and I feel like the Aquaman sequel is the one where like eh, is it worth it yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are we gonna get a payoff you know this transitional period I'll say this much I thought it was actually decent okay I won't go out and say it was great or fantastic mm-hmm. or an all-timer but I was surprised to see the box office returns um, this past weekend yeah. it obviously didn't perform as well as the first Shazam movie mm-hmm. and it got so-so reviews I'll say this from my experience I watched the trailer and the trailer kept popping up a lot over the last couple of months. I'm like, oh, this looks really bad. (laughs) Like every time I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, this looks so, so bad. And it really kind of had an effect on me kind of going into the movie because I thought, 
this is going to be the worst two hours of my life. Yeah. I'm surprised the, you went, there's, to be honest. There's no, I don't watch trailers, but like just off word of mouth, I was like, I don't need to watch this. I like into the movies regardless. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I, go, I go two times a week if I can, because yeah, um, yeah. I want to watch everything in the big screen experience and yeah. not watch it at home. And, and also for me, I was just like, all right, cool. Well, I need to know what, you know, I'm going to hopefully experience in the DCU. Like, let me get the worst of the DCEU if, if this is in fact going to be the worst experience so that I have like a barometer and I have a floor and I have a ceiling. Yeah. Right? So that when, you know, um, James Gunn gives us his vision of, of DC characters and their movies, then I'm like, all right, cool. Now I can actually do a comparison. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I thought it was pretty decent and actually it exceeded my expectations. I actually went in thinking it's gonna be, this is going to be horrible, but I thought actually pretty good. For a two-hour movie, like, again... Nothing was outstanding. Nothing was great. But one thing I will give it props for is the pace is fantastic. There's no lull. It is const- the, the movie and the storyline is constantly moving, constantly evolving. There's three things, though, that I do want to specifically talk to you about. And I know that you ain't going to watch this movie and you don't care about post-credit scenes and spoilers at this stage or anything sure. like that, no, right? No, absolutely. Before I get to the, the post-credit scenes and some of the stuff that happens at the end of the movie, I want to just share a quote. This is from Rachel Zegler. I, I actually have the exact same quote, which is crazy. So, so let's just be honest, like a year, 18 months ago, she's making her like movie debut in a Steven Spielberg Oscar nominated West Side Story. She's like one of the leads in the movie. Right. And at that time, you know, we watched the movie, we, we shared our opinion on it, but we're thinking, oh, OK, we're looking at some of the, the future stars of the business here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then she pops up in Shazam, Fear of the Gods. And it's because she said, I needed a job. Yeah. She needed a paid gig after West Side Story. And that's why she accepted a role in this movie. Isn't that crazy? It is kind of crazy. Man. It's it's a bit of a bummer, obviously. Like, she's involved with, like, such a major project with, like, Steven Spielberg. And you would hope. Because that, that's, like, the, the weird thing is, like, you, you have to make these decisions in Hollywood. And, like, what choices you make next are so massively influential on in how your career goes. Mm. And for, to go from, like... West Side Story and then being like oh, there's just not another movie in that same kind of space of like Oscars or or like artistic fulfillment or whatever that is like whatever that space is yeah. she didn't get that role so so she must have been like alright screw it I'm just gonna go do Shazam yeah. because that's a, like a much more available situation and it seems like there was a lot of other character or other actors like Adam Brody and all these kind of people where they you know were just happy to be on like the Shazam Power Ranger team or whatever that right, is right 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 yeah and Megan Good, like all these people that like have slight, like they're not like major stars, but right. like I remember them from like other stuff. And they may have just been contractually obligated. Yeah, you know, maybe they signed up for three movies and they're like, oh, we'll go to the Shazam sequel because yeah. we're like contractually obligated. But yeah, that was crazy just to see Rachel Zegler kind of actually put that out there. Yeah, that's very honest for a twenty-one-year-old. Yeah, and I was looking and at. I wonder if that's like a fumble. Like, I wonder if like there's producers and directors that look at that and they're like, I don't want to hear you say that about my movie. Well, here's a crazy thing. So her next couple of movies her next two releases are a Hunger Games sequel or is it a prequel I can't remember and a Snow White movie okay so she's, she's be, in that space she's in that space yeah it's like it's weird because I'm sure people look at like something like Jenna Ortega and we're like look at her the world at her feet but like not everyone has that option mm-hmm. you know and I mean? again we spoke about her hopefully not being typecast in a very specific you know uh, portion of the genre when it comes to horror and kind of like dark comedy and Tim Burton stuff and, and all that kind of stuff but yeah anyway I thought that Rachel Zegler quote was very very interesting so the three things that I want to talk about is at the end of the movie 
Gal Gadot reappears as Wonder Woman. Jesus Christ. And she, it's, a, it's a small couple of minutes. It's a bit of a payoff to a bit of a gag that happens earlier in the movie. But she's on camera. She's on camera. She's on screen. Oh. And I thought, hmm. So after all we've heard about no Wonder Woman, she's not going to be involved anymore. She's actually here. And this is not a post-credit scene. This is actually a part of the movie, the end of the movie. So that got my head a bit twisted. I'm like, are they like mis guiding us are they gonna are, like i don't know how they're treating i know some stuff is canon some stuff isn't canon this one left me feeling a little bit murky about mm-hmm. the situation so that's number one yeah now let's get into the two post-credit scenes the first one which i think is the most important post-credit scene and this one again just provides a lot of murkiness in terms of what's going to happen in the future of both shazam and other stuff so what we have is, is Shazam messing around with his powers, just like, you know, with his lightning bolts, just, you know, throwing uh, or breaking bottles of glass as you would with a, with a pea shoot or something. Sure. Then we have Peacemaker alumni Emilia Harcourt and John Economos, and they come to recruit Shazam to the Justice Society. And then Shazam, this is this was actually a pretty funny bit, he pulls out a phone uh, to Google some better names that use the word <laughs> justice and one of the possibilities that he throws out is what about the avengers society <laughs> i like that for some reason and it was a it was a funny post-credit scene but let me tell you my biggest takeaway from this whole post-credit scene it's got james gunn's fingerprints all over it wow. i don't care what anyone says the tone the dialogue everything about this scene felt so different to the movie yeah and obviously with jennifer holland obviously being james gunn's missus and her popping up in like black adam and peacemaker so basically what they try to do in this post-credit scene is recruit shazam as as a part of waller's justice society team and squad right now the justice society was brought up for the first time in black adam we know what that situation is with that movie but again it, it just got me thinking like are they are they gonna use shazam moving forward like in a different way like a peacemaker sequel series or maybe in the waller series that's supposed to be in the same universe as the peacemaker yeah yeah, yeah. what are your thoughts on that just before i kind of go into the second post credit honestly it's exciting because of that like, there's there is connective tissue right. right that is cool but at the same time it's weird that you're right it muddles everything feels like we're it's a good there like it feels like regardless of what happens with james gunn there's gonna be a little bit of a hangover from whatever's happening with this previous era yeah and, and that's the biggest thing is like are we gonna get payoffs are we not gonna get payoffs like if they were like oh we're definitely not gonna use this then they could have they had time to cut this by the way yeah, yeah, they've yeah. had this movie locked for a while so the fact that this post credit scene is still there and again because these two specific characters are from peacemaker james gunn's baby yeah it kind of got me a little bit excited but also i'm like hang on a second so gal gadot is still canon as wonder woman shazam is okay and are we still going to use him but again maybe the flash resets i just don't know i'll be honest it sounds like what happened is james gunn's like none of this stuff before this scene is gonna matter mm. like that's what it feels like like right. he, he's talked about because it's shazam himself it's not the rest of the squad it's just shazam i'm sure he's t- he has mentioned like all right cool like all the stuff that happens in suicide squad and all the stuff that i've touched like that's gonna be still canon so if this is still like if it has his fingerprints all over it i imagine this scene is gonna make shazam as part of that right but at the same time i can also imagine he's basically telling the audience like listen you didn't just waste your entire two hours right like, there's still gonna be something here yeah yeah, right? yeah. like they're like don't worry like 
something. We'll, we'll figure it out. We haven't figured it out yet, but we'll figure something out. The Avengers Society line was hilarious. Yeah. Everyone in the theater cracked. It was a packed theater, by the way. It was. You know how it didn't perform well in the box office? In, in the screen that I went to, it was packed, man. You know, it must just be a situation where maybe he's doing well in certain places or maybe, maybe like I don't know like, I, I'm not sure what it is like but I, I, there's gonna be a lot of this weird situation this year right. regardless like the Flash I imagine is gonna be a massive success yeah but everything around it is just gonna be weird until we get to the James Gunn era definitively I agree um, but yeah if people are holding out on some hope like is that if people are like fans of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman this is now almost re-sparking that conversation of is she, is she not going to be? But then that post-credit scene is like, yo, if you're a fan of Peacemaker, yo, are you going to maybe get Shazam versus John Cena's Peacemaker at some yeah. point? Like, that could be fun as well, right? That would be cool, yeah. Especially if you can take the comedy that, you know, Shazam um, has kind of brought to the table, which is kind of more kid-friendly comedy, mm-hmm. and bring it to the adult comedy level of a Peacemaker show. Yeah, I think that could be with each other would be fun, right? Yeah, that yeah. Would be. Um, so that was the first credit scene. The second credit scene, um, a little bit more low-key. It kind of just um, plays off of the same post-credit scene from the first Shazam movie, and it's basically like Doctor Thaddeus Sivana, the villain of the, the 2019 Shazam movie. He's still basically in the same jail cell as we last saw him in the first movie. And then you have Mastermind, this kind of like worm-like creature that can talk, basically saying, hey, I'm still kind of figuring out the perfect plan uh, to kind of get back at Shazam and get you out of prison. And that's basically how the movie ends. Okay. So it's teasing that this villain from the first movie is still there and they're still plotting a way to do something. For me, not as impactful as that first post-credit scene, but it's just what, what these... Finals, what the final scene of the movie with Wonder Woman and these two post-credit scenes kind of made me feel was it's tying up some loose ends. It's kind of not, but it's also just leaving some room there to potentially pay off down the road. Because again, like you said, they they are still figuring things out yeah. with some of these characters and will they, won't they. So I thought it was interesting. And like I said, I didn't think it was a bad movie. I thought it was an okay movie. I actually had a pretty decent time watching it. What would you rate it? Uh, we usually do zero out of five. Yeah. So what would you rate this like one? A, like a 2.5? Yeah, okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, like it, it, it wasn't like, I never felt bored. Like, I think the pace helped. And there were some like good gags here or there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's still a level below you know what my expectations are not just of dc but of mcu and just comic book movies in general okay very cool very cool i'm very curious to see where we go with dc going forward and this is obviously like a weird little pit stop but um yeah let's uh let's go into the next movie that we're talking about this week let's get into 65 charter 373 this is commander mills my ship was hit by an undocumented asteroid Transporting 35 passengers on a long-range exploratory mission. Send help. Uh, So, Jumat, first thing, why were you interested in 65? I'm just curious. Yeah, the trailer, Adam Driver, sci-fi, the fact that it just tells you everything that you need to know the trailer it's a guy that crash lands on earth back when the dinosaurs were still roaming the earth yeah what a concept right? and i just like and then obviously this is from the same guys that made a quiet place yeah right and i thought okay so you've already got enough there in terms of the history the plot the trailer and the lead actor took me in to be like oh cool i'm interested in watching this movie yeah yeah it's very interesting because i heard the concept of it and i was like i'm into that that mm. sounds really really cool because it doesn't sound like a big blockbuster movie 
And it doesn't sound like an indie movie, but it sounds like a nice little spot in the middle. Like an in-between. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh, like almost like an indie movie that you spend some money on. Yeah. But, um, and that's kind of the vibe, like, just off top. Like, when I was watching this movie, the first, like, 30 minutes of the movie, that's the vibe I got. Yeah. That this is, like, a very, it's like a small budget movie, like, in spirit, but with a, like, much bigger budget. Because it looked great. Like, everything looked fantastic in this movie, if you ask me. But I thought this like going into this movie without knowing really anything i was like okay cool they're setting up for adam driver's next big franchise Mm. right at the very least like i didn't think it was going to be that big a movie just considering like it didn't really have that boss box office success and only that but this was a movie that was supposed to be released a while ago and they waited until after the pandemic to actually release it and it felt like they maybe knew that this wasn't going to be something that's going to like translate across the board Mm. so it felt like as much as they wanted this to be the franchise, it very much doesn't feel like it's going to be. No. I feel like this is a one-and-done movie for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think yeah, so yeah. too. And it's weird because it very much... Uh, that That's the kind of the thought process I was having during this movie. I was like, at the start, I was really enjoying just the scenes of Adam Driver. Just as such a, He's such a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. There's just never a bad thing I could say about this dude. Yeah. He's so good as an actor. Like I believe everything he does... Every like if he's in a scene with a dinosaur, like I believe that dude. His on-screen presence is really, really phenomenal. It's fantastic. Yeah. I really hope like he doesn't get lost in the shuffle or anything like that. He's just a, such a tremendous talent. Like mm-hmm. I really hope whatever his next moves are, he figures it out because he's just so good. Yeah. Right. And you can see in this movie, he basically carries this entire movie in mm-hmm. every single way. And obviously, he's not going to get like massive props in any way, like real way for it, as far as commercial success or like Oscar nominations or anything like that. That's not going to happen, but I can imagine somebody being like, well, there's something there. Right. And that's what I really left away with this movie. Like, I'm not sure if it goes all the way, but there is something there. Yeah. Adam Driver, for me, is like maybe the strongest part of the movie, his yeah. performance, his on-screen presence. Absolutely. And I really enjoyed what he kind of brought to the table. I, I, in general, I thought it was an okay movie. It's, like, it's very, very similar to like how I felt about Shazam. It's just like, I'm not going to say it's great. It wasn't piss poor. It's like a nice 90 minute movie. It's like, you know, in, you're in and out. It tells you exactly what it's going to do at the start of the movie. You know, like I said, like, you know, a spacecraft crash lands on Earth and, and away we go. And I almost wish that they had more of a sense of what their identity was going to be throughout this movie. Yeah. Because as I was watching it, I thought it was one thing and then it kept changing. And I was like, I don't know what this is anymore. Yeah. Because by the end of it, it does try to become like this big franchise feeling movie where you're having all these dinosaurs come and come in and explosions and this and that and it's just like well this is uh this is not what i was watching before right ultimately it becomes almost like a a survival movie yeah because they have a deadline there's a an an asteroid about to crash and wipe out earth so there's a race against time there's a sense of urgency there but then it's like oh they're just playing around with flowers and you're taking me out of the sense of urgency and I didn't really enjoy Ariana Greenblatt's performance as Koa. I, fe- I I found her performance as the young girl more annoying and a more of a nuisance mm-hmm. to the situation that they're in. That I don't think I just didn't find believable. Sure, like I didn't find it believable that she would just kind of like you know find some um, berries and you know <laughs> squash them into like poisonous um, elements so you can yeah, stab a dinosaur. Yeah. There were some things that took me away from that. Like again, Adam Driver was the only thing that was kind of like rooting me in some sort of like you know real like real life situation stuff um it felt like the what what i kind of got walked away with was that they had an idea of what they wanted this movie to be yeah but then the directors were like 
but maybe we can turn this into a franchise. Mm. So maybe we shouldn't give them all the answers. There was just so many open-ended questions, like where, like all these other people that were like stuck in the tar and stuff. Like, I I wish we got a little bit of context with all of that. I wish we were able to understand this Koa character a little bit better. I right. wish we even I I love as much as I love Adam Driver's performance. I love his relationship with his daughter, right, his biological daughter, and just to see like he has such a deep connection her. And when he finds out that he's not going to be able to see her again and yeah. just breaks down that's such a powerful scene that should be like and, and it is the heart of the movie but at the same time uh, I, I, again big props to uh, Chloe Coleman as Naveen his daughter and like I just thought like their relationship was fantastic but I just feel like once we got away from that and I know they're trying to substitute the idea of like well now he has to figure out this new life with this other person and like that's basically like his uh, surrogate daughter like, yeah like a surrogate daughter basically yeah. and you're seeing like this relationship kind of form yeah. but it's really sad that uh, we didn't get to see more of him and his daughter because I really love that relationship. You know, it's funny. Like, I think the intention was for that to obviously be the heart of the story. Yeah. And why he has this connection with Koa. For me, though, I felt like they smashed my head over with it. Yeah, sure. Like, sure, it sure. was so in my face. I'm like, like I get <laughs> it, it guys. Very subtle, yeah. Like, I get it. I get it. Like, yeah. you know, he's got this emotional attachment with his daughter who's like, you know, now not, no longer alive. Yeah. I get it. And like, I felt like there were so many times where just they were throwing it in my face and where I'm like, all right, cool. Again, it's one of those things where you're pulling me out of the danger. Yeah. You're pulling me out of this, the real life situation that they're in. They're surrounded by dinosaurs. They're on a time limit to get to the spacecraft and get off this planet before it kind of explodes. Um, so it was kind of like, yeah, like you said, two different things happening at the same time. It's also weird the fact that, like, I didn't like the fact that he had so much communication where he could gain information that his daughter died, but at the same time, he couldn't communicate with them to figure out a solution. Your technology is an advanced where you can have Google Translate, where you can say something into a device and it just speaks the language of the, the little girl color. Yeah, I just don't know, you man. Guys are, yeah, you guys are like uh, traveling like different galaxies yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. It just felt like there wasn't a consistent idea of like what was going on. Mm. And uh, I think that's like, unfortunately, the problem with this movie is just it didn't have an identity. It just didn't stick to one thing that like made sense. For me... Like this movie kind of going in like, all right, cool. We're going to get a creature feature. Yeah. We're going to get like, yeah. you know, we're getting prehistoric dinosaur. No, this is not Jurassic Park. This is like, yo, there's dinosaurs are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to have this one guy with a, with a young girl, like almost like Turok, yeah, like yeah. On, on the old PlayStation, like kind of going through all these dangerous scenarios and situations. And I felt like we, I got, I feel like we got like one, maybe two real like, oh, this is a sick situation. Yeah, really yeah. awesome scene. And that was it. And I wanted more of that yeah. out of this movie. Yeah, it almost felt like if dinosaur movies are like a franchise, like T-Rexes are like Superman, right? Like they're just this character. And then there has now every single movie has to have like a Thanos character on top of that. And they have to have like the super dinosaur. And uh, it's cool that, you know, they they want to like escalate these things. And like they know that audiences have these like expectations of whatever the character is supposed to be. But I just can't really... They never made me care about the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. They never made me care about the threat of all of it as much as they, they, they I, as much as I had hoped because knowing it was by the people who made a quiet place, like I almost had hoped that this was going to be like smaller in, in general. Me too. Like I more thought, intimate, more scary. I thought it was going to be building up to like these really terrifying dinosaurs, but it wasn't like that at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. They escape in the end and it's cool. It is what it is. It is yeah. But uh, let's get into our categories. What about best character? Obviously, it's Adam Driver. Yeah. I think there's no way around that. As Mills. Well, yeah. What about best scene? Uh, when the T Rex is attack Mills and Koa at the end. 
like again that for me was like what i was hoping for out of this whole movie mm-hmm. we got like five solid minutes of that towards the end of the movie i wish we had a bit more of that yeah honestly there's two parts that i really really liked one was when his shoulder came out yeah yeah and yeah. i was like holy crap i didn't even think about the idea of how much tenseness gets added to a scene when you just think his shoulder just came out and now these dinosaurs are coming up yeah that was tremendous like mm-hmm. what a choice um that was fantastic and not only that but like isn't it weird as humans that your shoulder can pop out i know i always think about that when it happens like i, I was sitting there in the movie theater being like what what would i do in this situation like i'd be so screwed that yeah. was great yeah um the next one was the quicksand scene yeah so tense seeing him basically just sink slowly and just being like oh is he done like i actually thought for a second like oh he's he might be toast like and now we're just watching this uh other film with like koa yeah right and seeing maybe she gets like rescued by his people or something like that i don't know but uh yeah that quicksand scene was very very cool um what about as far as rating goes zero being the worst five being the best where do you end up with this 2.5 yeah like again middle of the road okay, it's the, the, literally the exact same review uh rating that i gave shazam yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like it's not great it's not piss poor i had an okay time watching yeah, it yeah. uh middle of the road 2.5 yeah i'm actually agreeing i went with 2.5 as well i really hope that this isn't where we see Adam Driver kind of chill. It's the same thing with like Shazam, Rachel Segler. Like, I don't want to see these fantastic actors have to settle for like this kind of nonsense all the time. Yeah. It's fine if you know, you got a good one and you make some money off of it and that's cool. But like, I, I, I just want to see these really capable actors do their best work. Yeah. And Adam Driver is just, he's not done yet, man. That guy's got so much more to give. And as an actor, I think this might just be like a hiccup in his filmography i think he's gonna be fine yeah i think he's just so good as an actor and he's now given us a range of performances in like big blockbusters indie sci-fi and everything in between mm-hmm. um but but i think he's still young enough and like still good enough and still getting better and better like i said for both of us he was the strongest part of this movie which tells you everything you know about his performance as an yeah. actor I mean, I mean at the end of the day it's not like we have to like it's a huge cause for alarm but yeah. it's just interesting that this is like a choice he made as right. an actor and yeah. it, it fumbled but at the same time he has the the ferrari movie coming out where he's playing enzo ferrari so yep. i think that's something exciting something to be excited about but also he's part of uh, francis ford coppola's megalopolis and obviously there's been a lot of speculation about that the set's been weird and you've been hearing weird stories about it but at the end of the day it's francis ford coppola he's got tremendous uh, actors attached to that movie so i'm still pretty excited about that i'm excited to see where that goes as well and he worked in the, on the versace movie with the was it versace or gucci 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 with ridley scott so yeah. like look, look look at who he's like working with yeah like i think he's gonna be long term i think he's still gonna be fine and yeah. i feel like at some point he's gonna pick up an oscar he's that capable he is that capable he absolutely could but yeah that's everything for 65 let's get into the last segment of the show let's get wrecked show uh, hit me with Sanders back. Okay, so nothing really jumped out in terms of something that I could recommend linked to the stuff that we kind of reviewed this week. And normally I'm like always watching on something on TV, like a series that I can recommend. And nothing really jumped up there either. So I'm going to go into the, the vault. Yeah. I'm going into the archives this yeah, week. Yeah. This week I'm recommending Ninja Scroll from 1993. Nice. A wandering ronin takes on a gang of supernatural ninjas. This is one of my favorite anime movies of all time yeah yeah, nice it's it's just packed with like relentless pace and just majestic animation from beginning to end it didn't really get the mass appreciation um when it was first released but it's over the years i feel like it's become a bit of a, a cult classic a bit, a bit one of those if you know you know yeah, yeah movies yeah. and yeah so ninja scroll it's it's great it's 90 minutes it's just 
like I said, the pace, animation, the story is great. It's one of those movies I would love to see, uh, you know, given justice and done justice into like an actual live action interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe even a series. Like that's how good it is. It's just fantastic. That's very cool. It's actually on my list as well. I still haven't got a chance to see it, but definitely going to go out of my way to watch that. My recommendation is based on our conversation from earlier when we were talking about Ben Affleck. Recently, I got into watching The Town, and uh, I thought that was a fantastic movie. I thought it was Ben Affleck's coming out party, and for him, it feels like it's something familiar, you know, his uh, his Boston upbringing, and also it's completely out of his element with the whole heist element of it all, but uh, it just shows his fantastic sensibilities as a director, capturing these like heartfelt moments and these small-town characters, and still delivering these wildly exciting moments in the heist aspect of everything. And uh, it's definitely a great time to watch this movie because Air, his next movie, is about to come out very shortly. But that's everything for this week. Uh, Jamal, where can everybody find us? We are at Screen Off Script on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And hey, listen, do us a favor. If you liked today's episode review us rate us do all that good stuff it honestly goes a long way on helping our show get found by new audiences awesome thank you for checking us out sweet guys take care